chapter sixty five of the maid of scar this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the maid of scar by r d blackmore chapter sixty five so does poor old davy hereupon you may well suppose that the grass must no longer grow under my feet with one man and positively two women in this very same county having possession of my secret how long could i hope to work this ladder to any good purpose luckily burrington lay at a very great distance from nympton on the moors and with no road from one to the other so that if mr and mrs shapland should fail of keeping their promised tightness at least two barnstaple market-days must pass before nympton heard anything and but for this consideration even their style of treatment would not have made me so confiding on the following morn while looking forth at pigs and calves and cocks and ducks i perceived that the crash must come speedily and resolved to be downright smart with it so after making a brisk little breakfast upon the two wings and two legs of a goose grilled with a trifle of stuffing there was but one question i asked before leaving many warm tears behind me good mistress shapland would you know that jemmy set of the child if you saw it captain wells i'm not quite a natural my own stitching done with a club-head all of it and of a three-line thread as my uncle's and nobody else had to barnstaple likewise the mark of the princess done a manigram as they call it the weather was dull and the time of year as stormy as any i know of nevertheless it was quite fine now in taking upon myself to risk five guineas out of my savings ilfracombe was the place i sought and found it with some difficulty thus might barnstaple bar be avoided and all the tumbling of inshore waters and thus with no more than a pilot yawl did i cross that dangerous channel at the most dangerous time of the year almost nothing less than my royal clothes and manifest high rank in the navy could have induced this fine old pilot to make sail for the opposite coast in the month of november when violent gales are so common with us but i showed him two alternatives three golden guineas on the one hand impressment on the other for a press-gang was in the neighbourhood now and i told him that i was its captain and that we laughed at all certificates and not being sure that this man and his son might not combine to throw me overboard steal my money and run back to port i took care to let them perceive my entry of their names and my own as well in the register of the coast-guard however they proved very honest fellows and we anchored under porthcall point soon after dark that evening having proved to the pilot that he was quite safe here unless it should come on to blow from south-east of which there was no symptom and leaving him under the care of sandy who at my expense stood treat to him i made off for candleston not even stopping for a chat with roger burkrolls the colonel of course as well as his sister lady bluett and rodney were delighted with what i had to tell them while the maid herself listened with her face concealed to the tale of her own misfortune once or twice she whispered to herself oh my poor poor father and when i had ended 
she rose from the sofa where lady bluett's arm was around her and went to the colonel and said how soon will you take me to my father my darling bertha said the colonel embracing her as if she had been his daughter we will start to-morrow if llewellyn thinks the weather quite settled and the boat quite safe he knows so much about boats you see it would take us a week to go round by land but we won't start at all if you cry my dear i did not altogether like the tone of the colonel's allusion to me still less was i pleased when he interrupted lady bluett's congratulations thanks and fervent praises of my skill perseverance and trustiness in discovering all this villainy humph said the colonel i am not quite sure that this villainy would have succeeded so long unless a certain small boat had proved so adapted for fishing purposes why henry cried his sister how very unlike you what an unworthy insinuation after all mr llewellyn has done it is positively ungrateful and he spoke of that boat in this very room as i can perfectly well remember not oh not i am sure any more than a very few years ago my dear exactly said the colonel too few years ago if he had spoken of that at the time as distinctly as he did afterwards when the heat of inquiry was over and when sir philip himself had abandoned it i do not see how all this confusion between the loss of a foreign ship and the casting away of a british boat could have arisen or at any rate could have failed to be cleared away llewellyn you know that i do not judge hastily sir i condemn your conduct oh colonel how dreadful of you mr llewellyn go and look at the weather while i prove to the colonel his great mistake you did speak of the boat at that very inquest in the most noble and positive manner and nobody would believe you as you your very self told me what more could any man do we are none of us safe if we do our very best and have it turned against us my conscience all this time was beating so that i could hear it this is a gift very good men have and i have made a point of never failing to cultivate it in this trying moment with even a man so kind and blameless suddenly possessed no doubt by an evil spirit against me stanch as rock my conscience stood and to my support it rose creditably for both of us colonel lower my answer was you will regret this attack on the honour of a british officer one moreover whose great-grandfather harped in your honour's family captain bluett understands the build of a boat as well as i do he shall look at that boat to-morrow morning and if he declares her to be english built you may set me down with all my stripes and medals for a rogue sir but if he confirms my surety of her being a foreigner nothing but difference of rank will excuse you colonel lower from being responsible to me my spirit was up as you may see and the honour of the british navy forced me to speak strongly although my affection for the man was such that sooner than offend him i would have my other arm shot away llewellyn said the colonel with his fine old smile spreading very pleasantly upon his noble countenance you are of the peppery order which your old welsh blood produces think no more of my words for the present and if my nephew agrees with you in pronouncing the boat a foreigner i will give you full satisfaction by asking your pardon llewellyn it was enough to mislead any man not to dwell upon this mistake committed by so good a man but which got abroad somehow though my old friend crumpy i am sure could never have been listening at the door be it enough in this hurry to say that on the next morning 
i was enabled to certify the weather a smartish breeze from the north-northwest with the sea rather dancing than running took poor bardie to her native coast from which the hot tide had borne her before we set sail i had been to scar in colonel lower's two-wheeled gig and obtained from good moxie the child's jemmy-set from the old oak chest it was stored in and now i did a thing which must for ever acquit me of all blame so wrongfully cast upon me that is to say i fetched out the old boat which sandy macraw had got covered up and releasing him in the most generous manner from years and years of back-rent what did i do but hitch her on to the stern of the pilot yawl for to tow not only this but i managed that rodney should sail on board as her skipper and for his crew should have somebody who had crossed the channel before in that same poor and worthless boat sixteen years agone i do declare and they did carry on a bit now and then when our spritsail hid them from our view for the day was bright and the sea was smooth the colonel and i were on board of the yawl enjoying perfect harmony for captain rodney of course had confirmed my opinion as to the build of the boat and his uncle desired to beg my pardon which the largeness of my nature quite refused to hear of if a man admits that he has wronged me satisfied i am at once and do not even point out always that i never could have done the like to him colonel lower had often been at sea in the time of his active service and he seemed to enjoy this trip across channel and knew all the names of the sails and spars but falling in as we did with no less than three or four small craft on our voyage he asked me how delushy's boat could possibly have been adrift for a whole night and day on the channel without any ship even sighting her i told him that this was as simple as could be during that state of the weather a burning haze or steam from the land lay all that time on the water and the lower part thereof was white while the upper part was yellow also the sea itself was white from the long-continued calmness so that a white boat scarcely would show at half a mile of distance and even if it did what sailors were likely to keep a smart lookout in such roasting weather men talk of the heat ashore sometimes but i know that for downright smiting blinding and overwhelming sun-power there is nothing ashore to compare with a ship also i told the colonel now that his faith in me was re-established gliding over the water thus i was enabled to make plain to him things which if he had been ashore might have lain perhaps a little beyond his understanding i showed him the set of the tides by tossing corks from his bottles overboard and begging him to take a glass of my perspective to watch them and he took such interest in this and evinced so much sagacity that in order to carry on my reasoning with any perspicacity cork after cork i was forced to draw to establish my veracity because he would argue it out that a boat unmanned and even unmasted never could have crossed the channel as bardie's boat must needs have done i answered that i might have thought so also and had done so for years and years till there came the fact to the contrary of which i was pretty well satisfied now and when the boat was produced and sworn to who would not be satisfied also i begged to remind him how strongly the tide ran in our channel and that even in common weather the ebb of the spring out of barnstaple river might safely be put at four knots an hour till hartland point was doubled here about two in the morning the flood would catch the little wanderer and run her up 
channel some ten or twelve miles with the night wind on the starboard beam driving her also northward when this was exhausted the ebb would take her into swansea bay almost being so light a boat as she was with a southern breeze prevailing and then the next flood might well bring her to scar exactly the thing that had come to pass moreover i thought as i told the colonel although of course with diffidence from long acquaintance with tropical waters and the power of the sun upon them i thought it by no means unlikely that the intense heat of the weather then for more than six weeks prevailing might have had some strong effect on the set and the speed of the currents however no more of arguments what good can they do when the thing is there and no reasoning can alter it even parson chowne might argue and no doubt would with himself although too proud with other people that all he did was right and himself as good a man as need be we ran across channel in some six hours having a nice breeze abaft the beam and about the middle of the afternoon we landed at ifracombe cleverly this is a little place lying in a hole and with great rocks all around it fair enough to look at but more easy to fall down than to get up them and even the barnstaple road is so steep that the first hill takes nearly two hours of climbing therefore in spite of all eager spirits we found ourselves forced to stay there that night for no one would horse us onward so late at this november season perhaps however it was worth while to lose a few hours for the sake of seeing delushy's joy in her native land this like a newly opened spring arose and could not contain itself as soon as her foot touched the shore i began to look forward to a bout of it for i understand young women now very well though the middle-aged are beyond me these latter i hope to be up to if ever i live to the age of fourscore years as my constitution promises and if the lord should be pleased to promote me to the ripe and honest century as was done to my great-grandfather then i shall understand old women also though perhaps without teeth to express it however this was a pretty thing and it touched me very softly none but those who have roamed as i have understood the heart ache for my native land i had it ever and continually and in the roar of battle i was borne up by discharging it and so i could enter into our poor bardie going about with the tears in her eyes for she would not allow me to rest at the inn as i was fain to do in the society of some ancient fishermen and to leave the gentlefolk to their own manner of getting through the evening come out she cried old davy you are the only one that knows the way about this lovely place of course i had no choice but to obey sir philip's own granddaughter although i could not help grumbling and thus we began to explore a lane as crooked as a corkscrew and with ferns like palm-trees feathering in among them little trickling rills of water tinkled or were hushed sometimes by moss and it looked as if no frost could enter through the leafy screen above what a country to be born in what a country to belong to exclaimed the maid continually sipping from each crystal runnel and stroking the ferns with reverence uncle henry don't you think now that it is enough to make one happy to belong to such a land well my dear said her uncle henry as she had been ordered to call the colonel i think it would still more conduce to happiness for some of the land to belong to you ah llewellyn i see is of my opinion 
so i was and still more so next day when having surmounted that terrible hill we travelled down rich dairy valleys on our road to barnstaple here we halted for refreshment and to let delushy rest and beautify herself although we could see no need of that and now she began to get so frightened that i was quite vexed with her her first duty was to do me credit and how could she manage it if her eyes were red the colonel also began to provoke me for when i wanted to give the maid a stiff glass of grog to steady her he had no more sense than to countermand it and order a glass of cold water as soon as we came to narnton court we found a very smart coach in the yard that quite put to shame our hired chaise although the good colonel had taken four horses so as to land us in moderate style of course it was proper that i who alone could claim sir philip's acquaintance as well as the merit of the whole affair should have the pleasure of introducing his new grandchild to him so that i begged all the rest to withdraw and the only names that we sent in were captain llewellyn and miss delushy therefore we were wrong no doubt in feeling first a little grievance then a large-minded impatience and finally a strong desire i and not the desire alone to swear before we got out of it i speak of myself and captain bluett two good honest sailors accustomed to declare their meaning since the war enabled them but colonel lower who might be said from his want of active service to belong to a past generation as well as delushy who was scarcely come into any generation yet these two really set an example good though hard to follow End of chapter sixty five